Carrie Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Chris West, CEO of Video Narrative, a company that specializes in helping organizations grow through an effective brand story. I'm excited about my conversation with Chris today because he has a vision for what association meetings can look like in this next normal that we are all creating together. So Chris, let me start with a question about you as a storyteller, because I know that's the frame that you see things through and that lens is influencing your personal story, but it's also allowing you to help people see the future with a positive spin rather than a negative approach. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, it's wonderful to be with you. And absolutely, you know, before I was uh, started a company, before I ended up becoming a CEO of a company, I was a counselor, right? And I studied gra- counseling for graduate school. And I specialize in narrative therapy. And what you do in narrative therapy is through someone seeing their life as a character in a story, they tend to make really be- just better decisions altogether. And throughout my life, what I've always trained myself to believe is, Whenever I'm experiencing challenge, I tell myself instantly, I must be in a good story, right? Because the stories that inspire us the most are the stories that have insurmountable pressure or conflict or struggle or something. And it seems like there's no hope. And then somehow they find a way, right? And we love those stories. And those stories are the ones that move our hearts the most. And we can think of any of them. We just say my favorite movie. It's usually something like that, but we just don't like to be in it ourselves. That is so true. And as I talk to association professionals daily, as we're moving through this time together, there's some fatigue and uncertainty, of course, and a desire for everything just to be the way that it used to be. And we know that it's not going to be. So are you just an eternal optimist or is this something that you've taught yourself to do? It's both. It is both. So, I mean, on the Strengths Finder, when I took it years ago and have taken it over the years, I was first time surprised to find that my number one strength was positivity. Because I thought that's such a, I want a better, I want a better strength than just positivity. But one of my strengths is simply that in any situation, I can see something for some reason that might be good in this situation. Right. But at the same time, I have had to build like a a muscle, like like any of us. And leaders today, and especially in associations, and you and I talk about this a lot because we've had some conversations this week, is you have so much outside pressure of things that are really beyond your control, especially the, 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 the board. And many of the members who have had things done a certain way for a very long time. And it feels like you're moving in slow motion sometimes. And it's so hard as a leader to do three things simultaneously. One, inspire yourself. Two, inspire your team that reports to you every day. And then three, inspire the board and the members to actually buy into that vision. And to do three at the same time, it is exhausting. And so I am in no way saying like, yay, this is a great time. You should just feel great about it. At the same time, though, I am saying that it is a great time. And the reason it is a great time is that during times of upheaval, change, whatever, you have this opportunity for the board to say, what is it going to take? And they will much, much more quickly jump on board with something that you have as if it's a good vision. And the second, your team is, is needing something hopeful, something inspiring, something that they can put their mind into. 
Um, and then the third, and this is just so important, is that everyone in the world is experiencing the same trauma and the same experience at this time. And this has never happened before. And as a result, it's not like a hurricane happened at the event place. You were planning on having your event in Texas, a hurricane happened or, you know, a tornado or something happened and we can't have it there anymore. It's like everyone in the whole world understands why your event is probably not going to happen in the way it was before. Well, it's not going to, but it's definitely not going to probably happen in person. So you have this opportunity to say, okay, well, what were all the burdensome things about holding this event? The AV, the, the food and beverage, the logistics, the whatever. And like, what if, what if we let ourselves have all of that be able to be go, just kind of go away for this year? And we retain all those relationships and we stay focused on what we'll do next year. But what if this year we were able to create an approach that was virtual, but then gave us this amazing way next year to do both a in-person and virtual event? Because one of the main uh, reasons that I think there's hope, reason to have hope right now is that this year can be a great case study experiment, really, where your board is going to give you a lot of leeway to say, okay, we didn't expect this to be a high profit year. That's okay. But you can try some things to see what if we could do it this next, this way next year. So the key one with, with that I think is this, is that so many people can at attend live events because of circumstances, depending on their work, they have an engagement, their whatever. And so they can't get to you, but what if you built some models into place to make this virtual this year and then next year you did a hybrid where you actually had the in-person event and you had all of the income from that, but then you had all of this extra bonus of just so many people attending it virtually. And if, what if that was the new way of, of doing it? There's simple, uh, easy to implement virtual solutions right now. We could talk through some of them that allow people to stream this content and then put it into their membership uh, library and then package it in a way where there's specific learning tracks and then, and then sell those as not just the members get that, but then those who are not members can, can get subscriptions to those. So again, there's just a lot of reasons to be hopeful and positive. And I think it's a good year to really experiment. Well, as we've been talking, one of the things that I really appreciate that you said is we're not going to use the word change. We're going to use the word transformation. So we're not just going to do this because we have to. We're going to choose to excel in spite of difficult circumstances. Uh, we're going to be the hero in our own story. And we're going to write a happy ending, which I absolutely believe we do get to write our own endings to our stories. Um, and the other thing that you've said is that there are ways to monetize even in uh, uh, circumstances that are unprecedented. And you've laid out a model, which is not only membership, but subscriptions for non-members. And so those actually can run parallel together. And the subscriptions from non-members then can actually help provide revenue so that you can build a stronger value proposition for members. I know that some of the obstacles for groups are is members may say, well, we don't want to allow our content to be available to non-members because why would non-members want to join us then? But a flip side of, of looking at it is to use that revenue to help build the member value proposition going forward. Yeah, well, and I would just say this, members want to be a part of a success organization. 
Members hate paying dues and hearing that their association is massively in debt. That makes them really frustrated. If you can show them at your annual event, and especially as a leader, as a CEO, or those who are tasked to do this, we have taken the association from this much in debt to debt-free, and we are every year becoming more profitable. That is an association that members want to be a part of, and they don't mind how you're doing it. And, and that doesn't deter them from saying, well, oh, well, uh, you know, as a member, they're a member because they see the value in what you do. And they're a member because of the community that they have. And they're a member because this is where their friends, they get to see them throughout the year. And that finally people who get it, who know what I'm like, even my wife or husband doesn't understand what I do. But when I go here, these people get it, right? So these are the reasons they're they're, they're members. <clears throat> you being profitable is one of the best things that you can do for your members. And oh, I want I love that. Yeah. So I, I think if anyone has any type of like questions around, well, how will, how will that look to the members? It's like, how does it look to the members right now to be not profitable, right? To be in debt. That's way worse than coming up with really new ideas for subscription models. And the way, the great thing is this, is that, the subscription models are taking the content, the, the high-end learning that your members have, have gained over the years, and <clears throat> through events and through different things, recording it in a way that builds specific tracks that then allow people who are just beginning their practice, you know, if you're a dental association and someone's in dental school, but they're thinking about what am I going to be doing with my business after, they're not ready to be a part of the association, but they would definitely and readily be able to pay $300 a year to be starting to learn how to run a business, right? So, so there's many ways for an association to be reaching people who are one, either international, two, are younger, or three, just aren't quite ready in whatever facet or reason to be a professional member, but do want the content. And so the members knowing, wow, I'm actually making a huge impact and my association is becoming more profitable as a result are two great reasons to be thinking about it this way. I actually have a client that is using that model to build the pipeline for future membership. Yeah. So they're not ready to qualify yet to be a member, but they get them in, involve them, teach them, provide services to them in, in return for a fee. And then they basically got a pipeline for future membership. And I think that is a really extraordinarily important piece of what we need to be talking about is not just sustainability today, but sustainability next year, five years from now, a decade from now, uh, so that the association is, is strong. So um, let's talk about the, you have a case study that you're working on right now. And this is an organization that traditionally meets at the end of the summer and face-to-face, and they pivoted, and they are now doing a hybrid model so that they have online components of the meeting, still planning to meet at the end of the summer, if in fact it's possible, but rather than a three-day event, they've stretched it out, so they're releasing material now, and their event is actually going to last May, June, July, and August. And I think this is such an interesting case study, partly because it was one of the first that I came across in an early pivot. But talk a little bit about how this transformation will serve the association in the future and how 
other organizations can capitalize on this case study? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a really great way to, to, to think about it. And I want to provide just one quick story that I heard yesterday that I think is really helpful. And that is, and I, I heard this from a speaker named Ozan Verrill, who wrote a book called Think Like a Rocket Scientist. But he tells a story of a group of, of, of Stanford students. And from some of you may have heard this story, but the, for their entrepreneur class, they were each given a task. You have two hours and you have $5, and your job is to make as much money as possible, and then you can give a three-minute presentation to the class about how you did it. Interesting. So I just want to say maybe think about your association where we've got an event at the end of the summer. We have all of the stuff we've done before, but our job is to make as much money as possible. How do you do it, right? So the first group of students took the $5 and they did all the things you'd think. They thought, okay, what's the best, easiest, lowest cost things we can do from this $5? We can buy lemonade stuff to make a lemonade stand or we could do, you know, we could buy just enough stuff for the car wash stuff to do a car wash or whatever. They used the $5 and in those two hours, they tried to make as much money as possible with their car wash or lemonade stand or whatever. The next group of people thought, forget the $5. We have two hours we don't need to worry about capital at all. What, do we, what can we spend our two hours doing that's most strategic to make as much money as possible, right? We don't have any capital to begin, but what can we do with the two hours? They didn't let the $5 be a barrier for them. <clears throat> but the third group that was the highest profitable most, and it was just one group that did it this way, and I think as associations, we have this opportunity. They knew that both the $5 and the two hours was a distraction. What they mm. knew is, hey, We've got three minutes in front of a top Stanford class of, of people who are future entrepreneurs. Let's sell that three minutes to a company who wants to give a presentation to that group of people, right? So my, 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 the reason I'm telling you that story is this. You, what if your highest value and your most lucrative way to make money is not in your event, which we 100% all can agree on it's not, <laughs> But what if the collective knowledge of your association is one of the best ways for you to make a great income? And what if as you're serving your association more and more, you could be a serving, your association could be serving the world and that can be breed driving an in income. And what has happened in our world is that we've gotten very used to subscription models. And it really did, and there's many of them, but Netflix was one of the first ones. And that was because the person who started Netflix had just re, um, had $40 of late fees at Blockbuster and went to his gym that afternoon and thought, I just pay nine bucks a month to be a part of this gym and I can work out anytime I want. I want that kind of model, right? So that's sort of the subscription models happening. Now we all know we pay for Hulu and Disney Plus and Netflix and all different kinds of things and gyms and <clears throat> our members want the value of our association and our, our association provides some tremendous value. What if we start using that value that we can share and impact the world? So for example, the association we're discussing, <clears throat> we looked at their numbers and um, here's just some, some numbers just for you to listen to. If you're listening, you know, their registration was 1199 for their annual event. And what they were anticipating this year was about 1300 people before COVID began and those kinds of things. And what their costs tend to be is about 80%. So their actual residual income after they do it is a 20% residual income. And we asked ourselves, well, how, what's the price of a virtual event letting a lot of the costs go that would actually 
create that same residual event, uh, residual income. And we found that that number was $497. If you take the costs and other stuff and, and actually have virtual presentations. And then let's take a look at all the content. Usually you go to an event and you tend the main stages, but then you have to pick and choose between breakout sessions. And sometimes there's three that you love and you want to be at, but you can only do one. So you ask your friend, take good notes and I'll meet up with you after. What if you could get all of them? every one of them as a streamlined, beautiful recording that you can go through at your own pace to, to provide tremendous value. And we're gonna then shift a lot of the content to be around how do you pivot during this time or what do you do? So we'll take the people in our association who are being most successful and we'll, we'll schedule one hour interviews with each of them and we'll ask them what to do and, and what they're doing. And we're gonna provide so much value for months ahead of time before the actual event that those who are signed up are gonna get a lot more value. Those who, and we don't even know if we're gonna hold it, but, but we can at least start this now. And that shift to 497 recordings, and then knowing that they are hopefully gonna still have it, but even that will be done through a virtual way. And then after all this will be put together in really powerful packaging and will be sold as a subscription now you've got this beautiful approach to make good money in those, those 497 virtual events that, are, that don't include food and beverage and they don't include AV and they don't include a lot of the hard costs associated. So they're almost, you know, they're, they're much higher in, in the actual profit side of things. So there is some grief for members who really want the social aspect of it. They want to be together face to face. And you're right. There's a lot of people who can't, travel or who won't travel. And so this enables you to actually broaden your market, whether it's international, as you mentioned, or even just a, a larger geographic you know, footprint, or if you're a state organization to draw in some other organizations. And we haven't even talked about collaborative opportunities for revenue shares and things like that. But members are attracted to excellence. And the way that you've pitched this is, it's not going to be business as usual. We're going to be sensitive to what's going on in the greater environment. And we're not just going to take what we would have done face to face and flip it online because that's yeah. not a recipe for excellence. That is a <laughs> recipe for just taking what we normally do and flip it online. And, and we don't want to do that because that's not going to create excellence. Talk a little bit about prepping speakers, about making sure that the footage or the audio that you're capturing is high quality so that the resulting experience is also high quality. Absolutely. And that is a really important part, right? Because although many people are fine and many people are aware enough to say, I'm not going to do this in my kitchen, sometimes without the right preparation, people aren't going to have the right video camera, or I mean, not video camera, but webcam or lighting situation or something. Right. And so that was one part of the role that we played. I, you know, I am a CEO of a company who's a production company and, and does branding work for clients. And so we did a webinar for all of their, their presenters and we walked them through some of the best practices they can have in mind, ways to set up their space, ways to be thinking about how they're presenting and to make sure that there was as high quality of both video and audio for these to be repurposed as possible. And so that is something that if people are thinking about, and they should, how do we do this virtually, is just having a preparation time to really tell people what, what, are, what are the ways they can be doing it. And there's some really great resources out there. I mean, um, there's Wistia is a company that has uh, 
they do videos for, they do, you know, they're like YouTube, but they're for, for businesses and they have an entire page called out of office and it's how to set up virtual setups and what are some best practices and ways to think about it. Zoom has a number of webinars right now about some of the best ways to set up their virtual experiences. You know, our company video narrative, that's something we've been doing for different people is just one hour webinars to help people at based on request. Hey, we want all of our members to really be able to present well. And um, yeah, it's just a combination of thinking, how can we use this year to really experiment and what are the questions we're asking ourselves? Because just to finish that, that big thought, I just want to say, what if the question was not how do we survive this or how do we make this, how do we not lose as much money as possible? But what if we make this the most financially successful event we've had because our costs are so low on it? Or how can we use this year to build something so unique that we can then set ourselves up for years of success after by doing this online and in person, those are some great questions to ask that your board is gonna really get behind. And they're very energizing. It's a lot different, you know, how can we survive is kind of a downer question, but oh, yeah. how, can we, how can we take this ball and run with it? I think really starts people's brains turning and their minds thinking and it, and it, and it creates energy and uh, it resonates. Um, talk a little bit about virtual meeting fatigue. <laughs> and how that may or may not impact organizations' abilities to pivot virtually effectively. Yeah, there is that fatigue. And so here's the most important part with all this. You have to be able to find the most painfully obvious value for people right now. That's the one that really causing them the most pain, right? So I will overcome my exhaustion of being on Zoom if my pain of losing so much income is driving me to find solutions, right? So the main thing is, is that I have a client who I work with and one of the things he does, he works with multi, multi-billion dollar organizations who are, you know, who literally their revenue in any, even any given year, somewhere like 200 to a hundred million and um, sorry, 200 to a billion million. Yeah. They, and he, the work he does with them is he helps them understand that are your people selling the problem, the outcome or solution? Because what most people do is they sell the solution. We're making our event online. It's going to be amazing. It's the solution to whatever you need. But instead what you need to do is say, okay, who are our, our members? Let's do a listening tour and let's ask them what are they really, really, really struggling with right now? And let's be very, very clear about what the biggest pain points in their businesses and their personal lives are right now. So now we know the problem. Then let's really ask what would the outcome be that they're desiring? Okay, what's the outcome that will be different and make such a difference for them in their life? Once we understand the outcome, we're going to present that outcome to them based on the problems that we've heard and help them know that our event is the solution. And actually, that's a recipe any year for face-to-face meetings or virtual meetings. And that, that listening piece, I think we're in such a rush sometimes to get to, to get all the I's dotted and the T's crossed and get our work done for an event that we don't start with the listening piece of it. Um, I, I tell association professionals that their value proposition comes from understanding how they can help members work less stressfully more profitably 
and more productively. And if they can do two of those three things, they're going to hit it out of the park. But you have to be constantly tapped into members' pain, as you said, and, and, and being responsive to that. So let's talk about one of the other things you and I have, have connected on is this whole idea that this digital transformation that is happening. And, and for many associations, they tend to be a little bit behind the curve there. The skill sets that we have on staff now aren't necessarily the skill sets that we're going to need in the next two years, the next five years, or the next 10 years. And so we see a transformation internally where associations are going to need to partner more with external experts who have specific expertise and staff members will actually become project managers rather than the doers. And I think you're seeing that from, from your standpoint as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have to say, I, I believe that most association executives have, have, have that role because of one, their past success and or both that they're good with people. And the soft skills of, of really understanding how to poise questions, um, lead people and create the right conditions so that they could become leaders themselves. Those are the kinds of, of expertise that we need in, our, in, in you as leaders, if those, for those who are listening right now, more than ever. And it's those skills that can be the most valuable for your team because you cannot teach your team how to do you know, uh, digital blank, 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 right? If they don't have that skill or they didn't go to school for it. But what you can do is say, okay, we have these different roles. We have the right people in these different roles who are great with people or they're great at this or they're a good fit on our team. They understand our core values and mission and we, we feel good about them. How can, I, how can I empower those people to be excellent project managers? And how can we say, okay, we're not going to hire one other person this year or two other people on our staff, or because we've had to furlough people, we've got some of that, that income freed up a little bit. Obviously, that's just trying to make it. But, and how can we use some of that money to find experts who already know how to do this work, who want to be in front of our members? Because that's the key is that there's many people who have expertise in digital marketing, in online this, online that, whatever, and they love working with your association members. And they will gladly do their work at 25% off or more or, you know, to be, or if for partnerships for uh, an exhibit booth, plus this, this, and this, plus three podcast things, or plus three blog posts that they get to put out to your members. So, so you can be getting these skills on your team to say, we want digital marketing or we want this, or we want this, or, and your job is to create the vision and then your job is to empower your people to be leaders and then their job is to project manage that to success and then report back to you about how it's going and your only job is to make them as successful as possible and hold such a high standard for them that they have to meet it and and so it's like if something's not going right that you're not taking it over and say well let me let me get on the phone with these these people no <laughs> your job is to say how can you make it right right and coaching them to become the leaders that you need them to be the next year and the next year and the next year. And I think, yeah, I think that's a, a really good point in that we are the skill sets that we need internally are different than the skill sets that we have now. And part of the challenge for today's association professionals is how we close that gap from where we are now to where we need to be in, in the future. 
Chris, as we wrap up, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you or somebody on your team to talk about how they can transform their meetings, how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, well, the best way is just by email. It's uh, chris at videonarrative.com, or they can just see some of our work at videonarrative.com. Super. I appreciate it. Thanks for being with us. So glad. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. 